powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello! Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much for coming. Please, thank you, everyone. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Christopher Goldsmith. What a fantastic guest with such an important mission, and the feedback and response to the show was truly immense. If you've not had a chance to hear our in-depth interview, I strongly encourage you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. And Christopher, thank you for coming on the show. So welcome to episode 166, and we have another powerful episode lineup for you today. We have on the show David Milburn. Now, David is a Hollywood actor, writer, director, and producer. We'll be talking about his latest passion project, 100 Years of Men in Love, The Accidental Collection, which is a documentary focusing on a unique, moving, and joy-filled collection of vintage photographs of men in love from the 1850s to the 1950s. David was an absolute delight to speak with, and I hope you find that as well listening to this amazing interview. So let's get David out here. Duval Nation, please join me in welcoming to the show, calling in today from his home in Los Angeles, California, David Milburn. David, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather up by you today? Hey, Derek. Well, it's always sunny in Southern California, right? Never rains here. Now it's been raining. (laughs) (laughs) So with the pandemic not coming to an end, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world up to this point? It has been amazing. I've been able to create. In fact, I created this documentary during the pandemic. So it was a nice way to really hone in on the craft, hone in on the message of the stock. And I really appreciated the solitude of just creating. Nice. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Well, I was born in Bremen, Indiana, which is northern Indiana. And we spent a lot of time moving around. In Indiana, then I moved to Columbus, Ohio, Upper Arlington. Then we moved to North Miami Beach, Florida. My father was a salesman. He was always trying to get a better job and always got a better job. I moved 12 times from kindergarten to 12th grade. So it was a great, great way to learn different neighborhoods and learn different communities and assimilate into those communities. What are your favorite memories from attending Northwestern University? The quality of education there, the quality of of my professors, the quality of my fellow actors and actresses that were involved in the program. And I'd already started my career at that point. So I was always 
down in Chicago auditioning for commercials and films and things. But I really appreciated the conservatory type atmosphere of just learning the craft of acting. What did you study? I studied uh, theater. I was theater. A, okay. Yeah, a major in um, theater and a minor in radio, TV, and film. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've been in the business a while. And like I said, I read correctly, you were a child actor. How hard was it for you to break into the business? It wasn't that hard. I was doing a play, a musical in my high school, no, in my junior high. And an agent saw me and said, you know, I want you to audition for this commercial. I auditioned for that commercial. It ended up being a national McDonald's commercial. I was the counter boy when they were giving away glasses, glasses to go, and he had the soda inside of it, and you got to keep the glass. Well, that was the first time that that convention had ever been established. So um, that went on to um, my next McDonald's campaign, which was a Sunday smile, and that was where you got a glass bowl, and they had soft serve ice cream to create a Sunday, and they decided that my smile was the McDonald's Sunday smile. So two huge campaigns for me, and that really set me off on, on my journey, if you will. My father was a drummer as well on the side, and he said to me, he said, David, you're making a lot of money with these commercials and all. Why don't you go for it? Why don't you just say, um, I'm going to give it everything I got and don't end up 40 years old saying, what if? What if I would have? What if I would have tried? What if? What if? He said, I don't want to, I don't want you to live that life. My father really gave me amazing advice as a youngster to pursue my dreams. That's amazing. Now we're going to talk about your new project in a few moments, but I would not be doing my job if I did not listen to my followers and not ask you about now what. How hard was it to get that project off the ground? And were you amazed with the response to that show? Now what is a very personal, personal which I wrote and directed and produced, and I just wrote from my heart. You know, they, they always say, write what you know. So that's what I wrote. And the people that, that view this and love this show are, are fierce and outspoken, and they let me know about it. I was on a cruise. I was literally on a cruise and the maitre d' sat me in this dining room, and there was a couple sitting right next to me, and they, they sat me right next to this couple. And the gentleman goes, um, you know, hey, uh, we're this, we're that. And I said, hello, you know, this is my partner, blah, blah, blah. And they go, how did you happen to, to know of this new program called Now What? Have you seen Now What? And it was like, <laughs> uh, and, and, and my, my guest at the table said, uh, you're looking at the creator of Now What? He wrote and produced, like, oh, my God. So that was just out of the blue. So I know those folks are out there, and I'm very appreciative of those people who, who are very vocal and let us know that we're doing the right thing. That's amazing. Now, you have such an eclectic IMDb resume. Do you prefer acting, producing, or directing more? I love acting. I love the craft of acting. I studied with Lee Strasberg in New York when I was 17, was the youngest member of, of the actor's studio at the time. And that is my first love. However, 
knowing that I now have produced, written, and directed, and won an Emmy, and I, I look at the difference between acting and producing. Well, acting, you're given a script, and if you're a good actor, you you kind of get in between the lines and try to flesh out the the your character and make it impactful. But you're still at the mercy of a director. You're still at the mercy of an editor. You're still at the mercy of the producer. When you're a producer, when you sit in the theater and you see one of your films, you realize that you have so many more colors and tools to paint with. You can sit there and go, oh, yeah, I, I um, hired the director. I rewrote that portion of the script. I hired the composer. I had final say on the cut. So when you see one of your films in, in a theater, you say, I'm all over this, as opposed to an actor where you're limited to the confines of the script. I love it all, Derek, but I feel that producing really, you get to use so many more tools. Now, writing, I mean, I love to write. I've written, written a lot, is the most personal of it all because you can just sit there at your computer and just let the characters flow through you and flow right through your fingers onto the computer. And that to me is the most pure because you don't have anybody saying, no, you can't do that. Or yes, I don't like that. No, get rid of that character. No, it's just you and your, your thoughts and your spirit. Whereas acting, you, you, you know, you have to get the job as an actor. You know, somebody has to say, yes, we want you or no, we don't want you writing. I can roll out of bed, get to my computer. And if I've got an idea and I can run with it and nobody stops me at all. I love the writing aspect of it as well. Tarantino said writing is will building. So, I mean, it's, it's hundred percent true. I mean, I, I buy into that. And it also shows you exactly just how important that strike is right now. I mean, writers being on strike. I mean, if it isn't for the writers, we don't have shows. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It all starts, if it ain't on the um, page, it ain't on the stage, as they used to say. I like that. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk to you about your latest passion project, a hundred years of men in love, the accidental collection. First off, how did you meet Neil Treadwell and Hugh Nini? And what about their book, Loving a Photographic History of Men in Love, 1850s and 1950s, spoke to you so much. Right. I called them up, but flash backwards for a minute. I, as a seven-year-old boy, in uh, going through my photos, uh, my family photos, I came across this tintype. This tintype is two gentlemen sitting together, uh, and they're holding a little placard that says Bourbon Fair 1908. And I'm like going... Mom, Dad, this tintype of these two handsome men, you know, I'm about seven years old. I'm like going, who who are these guys? You know, who, what is this? Well, my dad was born in Bourbon, Indiana in 1926. These two gentlemen are sitting next to each other, shoulders touching, legs crossed into each other, holding a placard saying Bourbon Fair, 1908. My dad was born in 1926, same town. And my parents, oh, David, that's your great uncle, great uncle and his friend. Well, I always kept that in the back of my mind, like, who are these people? Who are these people? They're, they're related to me. How are they related to me? Well, then I ran across Neil and Hughes' collection and I had, I had already won uh, my first Emmy at that point. I, I just called him up, Derek. I just said, hey, I'm David Milburn. 
I have an idea about these pictures and how we can make a documentary together. And I realized that my connection to these hundred years of men in love, pictures from 1859 to 1959, really extended from that seven-year-old boy finding this tintype of his own family of two gentlemen that seemingly were in a relationship. So I sold the idea to uh, Neil and Hugh, and I said, I see this as an immersive art piece. I don't see it as a montage of just going through pictures, pictures. I see gorgeous music. I see uh, wonderful writings from uh, famous gay authors uh, about love. And I see this immersive art piece and please let me do it. And they said, you got it. Here's 3,700 pictures just like that, that I said, okay, thank you. Um, and so I got with my editor and I started shaping the film that I, I saw and we culled it down to 350 pictures, which are in the documentary. It's amazing. Of all those photographs, are there any that sort of left a permanent imprint on your psyche? Well, it's, it's, it's very interesting because every one of those photos of the 350, first it was hard to cut down to 350 for 3,700. Um, so every one of those pictures became like a story, became a baby of mine. You know, I wanted to, to celebrate those gentlemen who had the guts and were brave enough to say, I'm going to take a picture I'm going to take a picture and capture my my um, relationship, even though I could be put in prison, even though I could lose my livelihood, even though I could lose everything I know by capturing this love. I wanted to honor all of them. So it was really difficult calling down to 350. But of the 350 that are uh, remain in the documentary, um, there's so many. There's one of, uh, it's 1910, where these two gentlemen are sitting in the back of a horse-drawn carriage. They're smoking cigars. One has an arm around the other one. And on the back of the photo was written, here's a little glimpse of a part of my life you may not know about. You know, these gentlemen are speaking through the grave, literally, that th these images provide us a sense that the LGBTQ community was always there. We've always been there. We are here. And um, it's a real sign that they were brave enough to provide images to show us the way. There's another, you know, a lot of times what's written on the back of a photograph is not always written by the person who is is in the picture there's another picture remember derek in the 50s they used to color wash photos right. and there's a, a picture in the documentary of two older gentlemen in the living room and the, the it's kind of color washed with you know turquoise and pinks and this and that and on the back of that photo it says here's a picture of your uncle bill and his friend bob Bob liked horses. He rode horses in parades. Your dad says they were both queer as ducks. <laughs> that was written on the back of the, of, of the photo. And to make the piece, the documentary, even more um, uh, immersive, if you will, 
I narrate the back of, of, of those writings on um, the photos that we have that have writings. I narrate those so that it adds another dimension, another element into the experience of the film. How long did the project take to pull together? About six months. That's not About bad. six months, and mostly it was culling those 3,700 down to 350. And then also the shape. I wanted to move through the film so that we have a sense. Obviously, we began in 1859 and we moved to 1959, but it's also a history of photography. I mean, we start with tintypes, which was the the um, uh, modus operandi of the day. Then we moved to photo booths. And you think, well, why photo booths? Well, if you think about a photo booth, you're in a booth, you close that curtain, there's no photographer, there's no developer, and you and the, your partner can be as intimate if you as you want. Those pictures are spit out right into the palm of your hand and nobody sees them except the two of you. Uh, we found these photos, Neil and Hugh found them in wallets. They're all creased and, and folded. Others were pristine as if they were on mantles and in frames, but it runs a whole gamut. They found them in suitcases, in uh, antique stores, in uh, at rummage sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but we include all of them into the... Um, collection. And what you come away with is an experience. Uh, I, it's run, this film has won 23 film festivals. And I, I stand at the back of the film festival sometimes, and I see the reaction about five or 10 minutes into the film. I feel the whole audience kind of have a collective, oh, I know what I'm doing. This is a journey. I'm going to slip into the milieu of each of the pictures because we zoom in close and you have time to look at the cufflinks, to look at where the hands are, to see the surroundings of what these gentlemen have have chosen to capture. Mm. And uh, one woman came up to me at one film festival. She goes, uh, David, just such a, such a beautiful film. And I go, well, well, thank you very much. She says, I just wish to hell that at some point in my life, I would have ever had a man look at me in the eyes like <laughs> these men are looking at each other. And I, I, I kind of said, well, uh, darling, I'm so sorry for you, first of all. But uh, people, uh, you know, it's straight audiences, gay audiences. What they're seeing from these photos is love. Mm-hmm. And the love that was captured then and the, the love that is, is here through this film to inspire us. I tell young people, I say, this, is, this film is a call to action. It's a call to action to be bold, to be authentic, to go out and take a picture, capture what you have. And who knows where that picture will end up. And since working on this project, I say to myself, every picture I take now, kind of, I kind of think, where's this going to end up? Where is this this picture going to end up? Who knows? I hope that it inspires people because it inspired me and it's inspiring audiences around this country of the possibilities of love. Do you know that this film, Derek, has gotten 100% Rotten Tomato meter? I mean, that that, that like never happens. 100% on the Rotten uh, Tomato meter. 
I was about to ask you, you know, it's been on film festival circuit. What has the overall reaction to the film been like? Amazing. And it's even gotten off the film festival circuit. Uh, the Palm Springs Art Museum uh, just a few weeks ago approached me and said, would you donate this film as a fundraiser for, for our art museum? And I said, absolutely. Well, 250 people showed up to pay $100 a piece for Q&A with me and, and the editor and, and screen the film. And the reaction, people are bawling, people are crying, people are saying, wow, I wish I would have uh, taken a picture when I, I wish I would have had the balls to take a picture and capture what I had. Um, older people are saying that. Um, younger people are saying, wow, this is a call to action. Uh, straight people are saying, I have no idea. I had no idea that this was going on, that this is a possibility. Yet these gentlemen who took those pictures, they knew exactly what they were doing. It's amazing. So for my listeners who are tuning in right now, if they wanted to watch this film, what is the best way for them to do so? You can go to, uh, it was produced, I produced it, but uh, the people, the, the folks that wrote the check, uh, it's the network here TV, H-E-R-E dot TV. It's a streaming service. It's also a cable satellite system throughout the United States or on every platform. Um, those folks, it's an LGBTQ network, and they specialize in programming by authentic filmmakers telling authentic stories. So it's a whole array of, uh, I mean, you could go on there and you can find 700 different films uh, that they've produced, series. Uh, they uh, collate the top European films. And, and it's, it's kind of like HBO, Derek, if, mm. if you want to kind of put a, put a cap on it, a branding on it. Here.tv. Here.tv. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with David Milburn. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Jay. We all know that a lot of us spend most of our waking hours at work. So naturally, the majority of our stories come from the many different characters and situations we run into at the workplace. Because of this, we bring you the My Work Life Podcast. On this podcast, we will be sharing your stories from the workplace, no matter what they may be, so we can all laugh and commiserate together. Does someone at work have horrible habits? Crazy bosses that have no idea what they're doing? Hilarious blow-ups from coworkers? Even if you just need to rant, we want to hear it. Everything will be completely anonymous, so don't be afraid to spill your guts. That's right. All names of people and companies will not be disclosed, so send us your best. No story is too small. Email your stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com. That's fmwlpod at gmail.com. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. For more fun content, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FMWLPod. We can't wait to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Hello, Duval Nation. Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. 
As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duvall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey there, this is Frankie Ray and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own, with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey there, friends. It's Local Neighborhood Baby, host of Stressed, Depressed, and Anxious Podcast, with new episodes every Monday. Go to the website, stresseddepressedanxious.com. There you'll find links to all of your favorite listening platforms so you can download and subscribe. The thing is, mental health illnesses make us feel so alone, like we're on this weird island all by ourselves, screaming at the top of our lungs with nobody around to hear us. But the real truth is, you're not alone. I'm there too. On the podcast, I'll take you through all the intricate, intimate details of my very up life. We'll be laughing about it, crying about it, and everything in between. Because the truth is, you know what? It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We just can't see it sometimes. But I'm going to be right there with you in the dark. So go to the website, stressdepressedanxious.com, download, subscribe, interact, come join the fun. I'm here. You're not alone. 
Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 165 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the director and producer of 100 Years of Men in Love, The Accidental Collection, David Milburn. So I've had other Emmy winners on my show, and I love asking this question. Talk us through being nominated to actually winning the Emmy. Oh, uh, well, well, I've been nominated four times and it's always been for me, it's always been a benchmark, you know, it's always been a benchmark. And the program that I won the Emmy for is, is near and dear to, to my heart. It's entitled, uh, it's a series called Girls Voices Now. We give cameras to underrepresented little girls, eight, uh, 13 through 18. We mash them with female mentors who look like them and say, go shoot your stories. Go tell us about your lives. Well, they come back with these amazing shorts. I put them together in a series called Girls Voices Now. And they tell us things. I, I, I learned from them. I learned from these little girls. And if these young women don't even go into show business, we have a, a premiere of the shorts and 200 of their friends and family come and we give them certificates. And to see those smiles when they have watched 200 people watch their life story, these women don't even have people listening to them in the real world, let alone 200 people sitting and watching their films. Those smiles, the self-esteem that they get to know that finally their voice matters. They do have a voice. When we won last year, um, the, the subject matter, it was entitled Under the Scarf. It was about a little Muslim girl who wore a hajib and, and she shot how she's made fun of, laughed, uh, laughed at, bullied because she wears a hajib, but she knows the, the religious reasons why she does so. Well, we're at the Emmy. We're nominated. We're at the uh, telecast. And Lil Meron comes to me. She goes, David, we'll never win. We're up against Disney. We're up against um, Sesame Street. We're up against Apple TV+. And I go, Meron, the more personal the story is, the more universal it is. So the more personal, the more universal. Well, we won. Of course, she broke down in tears. And Cure uh, um, TV produced that series as well. And we bought all the little girls Emmys. They don't even know what they are. They're like, going, <laughs> and I'm like, 
I've wanted one of these all my life, you know? <laughs> and uh, that was amazing. Now, this year, the same category, children's short-form programming, Michelle and Barack Obama won in that category. And I'm so thrilled. That's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, because you can't beat them. And I think it just gives us award, had our award, having won the year before, more juge, if you will, yeah. more specialness because they won this year. So yeah. good for them. <laughs> they are they are a dream guest of mine. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what was it like to create and host Mod Couples? Mod Couples is an amazing game show. We know that that Here TV, I've already said Here TV is on every streaming platform as well as our own. And on Hulu, Mod Couples hit the their 10 top most popular show list 22 times. It's a concept that uh, I created along with Paul Collishman, the CEO of, um, of uh, Here TV. Uh, it, ver- it takes a straight couple and a gay couple and pits them together to, new- to n- know who knows their partner best. It's Tattletales meets Newlywed Game. You know, they have to come up and it's in couple speak. We get to be like a fly on a wall to hear what a couple's couple speak is like. And we all have couple speak. If you're in a couple, you have your own unique, particular couple speak. So we did six episodes, three episodes, the straight couple won, and three episodes, the gay couple won. And my dream of that show of my couples was that, you know, maybe some couple, I don't know, sitting out in the woods saying, you know, straight couples saying, Hey honey, that gay couples are, they're just like us. You know, they have couple speak and that kind of universal acceptance is gold because you know what? We are all alike. We are just dressed up in different spacesuits. Some of our spacesuits say male, some of us spacesuits say female, but deep down we are all the same energy. And uh, a show like Mod Couples is very hilarious and a lot of fun to do. And we shot it in my own living room. I mean, we shot it in my own living room. Uh, I was, as the producer, I was saying, well, you know, all the game shows now have to build, have to rent a soundstage, have to build a, a living room set. Why don't we just shoot in my living room? So we shot it in my living room and it ended up to be on Hulu, uh, the, the 10 top most popular show, show list 22 times. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So with the LGBTQ community now on the defensive, how important is it for me to keep telling stories like 100 Years of Men in Love and Now What? Oh, well, it goes right back to what I was saying before. We are all alike and we are all we all have the right to live the lives that we want to live. I, I've been a, 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 a strong advocate of same fight, same vo- same fight, same rights. So if we band together, if the LGBT and queer communities stand up for Black Lives Matter, stand up for women's rights, stand up for other marginalized communities, we can combine our voices and we can combine our to say this is what is real. We all are fighting for the same civil rights. Let's band together. Let's show up for each other so that we know that we have a stronger voice. 
And that's, that's what the folks that hear TV are doing. That's what I'm doing in my personal life. Um, I've, I've won the social impact award for a couple of films I've done and social justice has become a real, real, um, benchmark in my life and, and both professionally and personally. All right. So your current self gets the chance to talk to your younger self. What do you say to him? What would I say to my, 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 my younger self? Wow. This would get, this is a very, <laughs> this can get kind of spiritual, but I would say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I know as I get older in, in this uh, profession, I started when I was 15, Slumber Party Massacre, by the way, I should mention that. <laughs> people, people still love, I go to uh, conventions and sign autographs for a film I did when I was 15, you know, Slumber Party Massacre. Um, but I would say that it gets easier to listen to yourself, it's it'll get easier to be authentic. Lean into it. You'll be okay. Beautiful. You'll be okay. Beautiful. All right. So, what's next for David? Well, I've uh, written a kickboxer film. It's like I haven't written a kickboxer film, but I realize that what our community needs, our young people need role models. So I decided that if I wrote a kickboxer film, kind of a, a generic kind of, you know, bad guys, good guys, kickboxer hero, and, and match that kickboxer hero with an older female kickboxer champion, and the two of them become a team and they go out and fight crime and, and do, do fight, fight the bad guys, I think that what the message for the queer community will be, there's nothing gay about my kickboxer film. It is a kickboxer film. But our audiences, because we've cast somebody who is openly gay, who's married, has a husband, and happens to look like a swimsuit model, that doesn't, that, that doesn't hurt. But our audiences will say, wow, look at that. I will be a, I can be a kickboxer hero. I can be a lead in a film. I can uh, do whatever I want uh, and know that, again, it'll be all right. I think those positive role images um, are really, really important, especially for our young people who are more likely to commit suicide because they are bullied, because they don't know that it will be all right, that it will be okay when they grow up and they find their voice and they lean into their authenticity. Those, that kind of messaging is priceless. So I decided let's, let's do an action hero picture with a gay character, but he's not really gay in the film, but our audiences will know in his personal life, he's married and has a husband. That's amazing. All right, David, as we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question, and that is, you know, what do you like to do for fun to relax? I love getting out into nature. I love walking on the beach. I love to to recharge. When you're a creative person, Derek, and you're a creative person, you have a show, you, you, you do what you do. You know that you need to recharge in a way that you can bring new insight to your work. I'm about my work. I love to create, but you can get, you can get empty. So going to an art gallery, 
going out into nature, being with friends, laughing, participating in life uh, helps me recharge so that I can go back to, to me and pull out what's authentic to me and put it on the page and then get it on the stage. You know, I've asked that question, God, now go over 200 times for that many guests. It's one of the best answers I think I've ever gotten for that question. Oh, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's heartfelt because yeah. like yourself, I'm a creative and creatives need to, we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. We need to take care of ourselves because it can shrivel up and die. Right. Yeah. And, and if it's dead, it's harder to get back. So if you have a little, little, little of it left, you got to create space for something new to come in to, mm. to listen to yourself. What would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Well, uh, they can check out uh, uh, IMDb, uh, my my page on imdb.com. Also, uh, I'm pretty much working with Here TV because I love their positive role images. I love to be able to be an authentic creator and know that I'm really making a difference through my programming at here.tv. So check here here.tv and you'll know what I'm doing. Amazing. All right, David, I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? I would say love from your heart, listen to your heart and love from that heart and know that that other human being is just like you. All right, David, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Congratulations on the film. This has been a great honor to have you on the show, and I thank you for being a champion for the LGBTQ community. You are, sir, you're a class act. Well, Derek, you are too, because um, you're a straight ally and you are there for us. So I celebrate you as well, my man. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 166. I want to thank David for taking the time to come on the show. What a fantastic man. And the work he is doing it for the LGBTQ community is truly remarkable. I hope everyone gets a chance to check out this amazing film. And David, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days. So be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there with everything without a logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner of the left that says Merch. Click that, and you will be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, as we come to the end of Pride Month, LGBTQ rights are being attacked here in the United States. We cannot let that come to pass. Please do whatever you can to love thy neighbor. Stand up for your fellow human beings, regardless of their sexual orientation. You will be glad that you did. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, 
DerekDuvallShow.com for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.